Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1490 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday here in the middle of June. And today's podcast is brought to you by the good folks at PrizePix. If you're a first-time user, you get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That is prizepix.com, promo code Locked On. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day here at Locked On Hawks. Please find us and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Today's show will be a continuation of our player capsule series with my friend Glenn Willis and I talking about another player on the Hawks roster in recent days and weeks. We've done podcast episodes entirely devoted to players on the roster like Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, Wadi Madanovich, Onyeka Kongwu, DeAndre Hunter, and today will be Clint Capella, the veteran starting center for the Hawks. Also on the podcast recently, we've done NBA draft stuff in the last couple of weeks. Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast joined us for a two-part episode last week. We have been five from the podcast before that. We have much more to come in the next week and a half because the draft is coming. In fact, next Thursday is the NBA draft, so more to come on that topic, I promise you. But sort of a good time to take stock of the roster, what the Hawks might need, how players are performing, all that stuff. And Glenn and I have been talking about this stuff in very large depth. In fact, we have a couple of two-part episodes coming. Yes, two parts on individual players. One on John Collins, one on DeJounte Murray coming in the next couple of days and weeks. But today's episode is only a single part. It's Clint Capella, a little bit longer than a normal episode, but still lots to get into with Clint. And uh, no huge news to get to for the Hawks. There's a workout happening on Monday. No big names on that one. So at least for now, as I'm recording this podcast Sunday night, kind of status quo as everyone looks ahead to the draft on Thursday. Without any further delay, we'll have the intro. I'll come back with myself and Glenn Willis talking about Clint Capella. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. I'm joined again by my friend Glenn Willis as we continue our player capsule series here on the podcast. Glenn's giving me a ton of time and I have appreciative. Glenn, how are you today? Yeah, doing well. Uh, nice Sunday here, a random Sunday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, enjoy the chance to connect with you here and talk about these Hawks players. For our YouTube watchers, you can see that we're wearing the same clothes we were wearing when we talked about DeAndre Hunter. So you can uh, infer what we uh, packaged in that recording session. But today's podcast is a little bit more, I don't want to speak for you, straight ahead than it was on the last time we talked. So it was DeAndre Hunter last time. Today's Clay Capella. And uh, I think that Glenn and I are probably known for being advocates for Clint. We we both enjoy Clint's work. He's, he's a good player. We talked about him a decent amount during the Akamu conversation for obvious reasons. They're both playing the same position. Um but I'll open it up to you first, Glenn. Clint just turned 29. Um, I think he's still a, a really quality starting center. I, I, I would argue that maybe he isn't quite the guy he was at his absolute peak. Um, maybe his first full year with the Hawks where he was like really an all-defense candidate kind of player. But um, does that drive with you? Like, I think for me, he's still like a top 10, 12 center in the league. He's a really good player. Yeah, agreed. He's – I put him – I'd be pretty comfortable saying top 10 guy in the league. I mean – now you and I value defense a, a lot, we so do. it's part of like where you, part of what number you choose is what do you value, right? Things like, and that's fine, totally fine. Especially, especially um, at center, by the way. I think I think center defense is even more yeah. important than other positions. So, yeah, yeah, for for sure. But I mean, you know, for me, the 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 banner area for him is the rebounding, right? He's a top three, four rebounder in the league. Um, when he's fully healthy, he might be the best rebounder in the league, right? On defense, especially. Uh, and that matters a lot with uh, the way the Hawks kind of lineups are constructed. At least they have been kind of to this point in time. We're not sure what they'll look like going into next season. 
Uh, and then just his ability to organize, communicate. He's such a good anchor. Um, and then he's still, he's not as, I don't think he's as versatile scheme-wise as he was like two years ago. I think yeah. every year he gets a little older, a little more mileage, kind of, you know, and things like that. I, but I still think um, he can do more than play and drop. He can get up and support the level at the level of the screen. He can do some selective switching um, and stuff like that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the way I think about his value is this. There are so many teams in the league right now that are, like, say, in between 40 to 48 wins that if they had Clint, it would, like, move them up a full tier, right? Because finding guys who can do what he does defensively and do what he does as a rebounder um, is just – it makes a big difference. And it, and it helps – he helps everybody else who's on the court defensively. And so for that vantage point, I think he's really valuable. We've talked about the fact that the Hawks are – Maybe at a decision point they have to make at the center position, and uh, you know I, I'm sure Maybe. we'll talk a, a little <laughs> more about that. You know, um, but but I'll say this: like, is there a center in the league that's faster from the point of the ball screen to the rim? I don't know if there is. Like, you know, on offense, like set the screen, footwork, get to the rim. If if it's a if it's someone else, like it's, it's maybe JC, right? And that's the whole and and you know. Clint helps. We talked about Clint helps Trey a lot on offense. Now, there's only a couple of things Clint can do really on offense. But the here's the thing. The things he can do, he does them really well, you know. And and a guy that you're not going to kind of build your offense around, that's kind of what you want, right? Um, now, the, is, it, is Clint a little limiting when John's shooting sub 30% from the three-point line? Sure, right? The fact that Clint yeah. can't do something else, you know. And so that's that's kind of where this stuff shows up. But Clint, to me, absolutely is a top 10 center in the league. Uh, he's still pretty young. And for me, his ability to kind of get out and switch, get out and defend away from the paint, to me, that kind of goes up and down with his, how he's feeling, right? How's that? How's the foot? How's the Achilles? How's the knee? And I think he's at a point now where he probably shouldn't play more than about 65 games a year, you know, and things like that. And that, that has to factor in his value too. But – I. I love what he brings. I love the teammate he is. I love his selflessness. Um, I, I, I love his leadership. And I think all of that matters um, and has a, a ton of value and would bring a ton of value to many different teams in the league. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying this to argue that this is the truth, but just for a bit of context, uh, the two metrics that I think I've used on all of these conversations um, advanced-wise are EPM and Raptor, right? Clint actually rated as the Hawks' second best player this year in both metrics behind Trey. Now, that doesn't mean he's better than DeJounte. It doesn't mean that he is their second best player. But I think Clint Capella is still very good. And they also kind of ebb and flow, um, you know, with him. Not that, uh, again, Akon was really good. We talked about him extensively. If you missed the conversation, he was still very much available. But I I think because, and I've long had this belief, and I wonder if, uh, if you share it, I think because when Clint does something wrong with the ball, people remember it. <laughs> when people when Clint drops a pass or Clint misses a layup, uh, it, it's very frustrating when a center does that. And I, I'd be the first to point that out. It, it's not wrong to have that feeling. But uh, the defensive nuances that he brings, the rebounding, the screen setting, there's a reason why Trey loves Clint. We've talk, talked about it many, many times, but uh, that's not made up. Trey has said it. Uh, organizationally, they've pointed to it. Um, you know, there's a reason they brought Clint in. I think they, I think 
knowing this, I, I'm not reporting anything here. I think the primary reason they acquired Clint when they did was to pair him with Trey and give Trey someone to run pick and rolls with. That was the reason why they did that. Now, defensively, did it help them as well? Absolutely, it did. And by the way, since they got Clint, that was the first year they, they got good was when they got Clint. Not, now, is that a not a coincidence? Now, of course, they built around him. Trey's still the reason why this is all happening. I'm not saying otherwise, but um, they've never been they've, they've never been bad with Clint Capella. Never. Before that, they were bad. That was not again not, not a coincidence. So, um, I mean, I guess we talk knock out, knock out the offense first because it's it's pretty straight ahead. Uh, this is gonna be, this is gonna sound funny because I, I'm sure you see this too. I'll get a tweet every night about Clint about his finishing or whatever. Uh, Clint finished in the top five of the NBA this year in field goal percentage and effective field goal percentage. Now, I understand the difficulty of his shot attempts not always that high. But he creates a lot of those attempts with his work as a dive man, his rebounding. Yeah, he's not a he's not a very versatile offensive player. You mentioned that he doesn't do a ton with the ball. He doesn't shoot jumpers, but he's a classic dive man, and he's a great screen setter. And you throw in the offensive rebounding. I still believe Clint is a very very valuable offensive player. And I think if you asked Absolutely. a average Hawks fan, they would say, "Okay, I buy the defensive stuff, but like he's not very good on offense." Yeah, he's not skilled. There's no bag with Clint Capella. Like I, I get that, but like he, I think, and, the, and if you ask people around the roster, not to appeal to authority on this, but like they, they understand what he does for them offensively and it's not sexy, but it draws attention. It gets tray open. And we, you, you mentioned it, so I'll bring it up again. Yes. Pairing him with John on offense has never been the greatest fit, but I've said it before. I'll say it again right now. They have always, 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 always been good when they play clint and john is it pretty always no but they defend with that group and uh clint's offense long story short for me it's not something that is like jumping off the screen to you if you're just like watching for numbers or like flashy plays but he still brings a lot of value with what he does and he knows what he can and can't do which is important Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. It is very easy to be caught up in everything that everyone needs from you and never take a moment to actually think about what you need from yourself. And I'm guilty of this for sure in the midst of juggling all kinds of different stuff from work and family commitments. We spend all of our time giving, however, it could be sometimes leave us stretched pretty thin or even burned out entirely. Therapy can give you the tools to find out your life balance in life. And really part of that is being able to support others without actually leaving yourself behind. Therapy is exceptionally helpful when it comes to learning coping skills or even setting boundaries. It can also help you be the simply the best version of yourself. If you thought about doing therapy in the past, I definitely recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is be actually fill out a brief questionnaire, and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. If you ever want to change therapists, they will do so with no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. The one thing I would add to that is, he doesn't care if he doesn't get shots. He doesn't care if he doesn't get touches. He works just as not hard. at all, right? And so, and and that's one of the things I love about him. And we could, you know, we could spend you know an hour talking about all of his nuances in the screen game. Trey gets a bad angle. Clint's like, pitch me the ball. Let's reset the angle. I'll pitch it back. Let's flip it. You know, and his ability to know exactly what to do. And and I said this when they got him from the Rockets that the whatever number of reps he got with James Harden was created a ton of the value he brought to the Hawks, right? And and Hawks fans, I think in my mind, really owe James Harden and, and Mike D'Antoni, you know, a lot uh, of, 
I don't know, quasi gratitude for like help helping Clint kind of get to where he is as a as a big man in the pick and roll. And he, it's just a lot of nuance that Kongu doesn't have yet. Now, we talked about Kongu having more short roll value, passing, ball handling, et cetera, et cetera, and things like that. And he's a, a better release valve um, and you know, for when Trey gets trapped to blitz or whatever. Clint's not, never – I mean, like once every two weeks, Clint will hit a pass in the short roll that you're like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but that's like yeah. 10, 10 to 12 plays a year that you'll see that. It's like, wow, you know. And so he's, but that that's like his selfless selflessness, kind of squeezing out whatever little passing there is, it, it kind of in that phase. But I mean, I also want to talk about he works so hard as a rim runner, and I don't think people understand how much work it is for guys his size to sprint the length of the floor over and over and over. He was ninety fifth percentile in the whole league in transition. Uh, which is, I mean, and big men should be good in transition, but his volume is higher than your average center. A lot of that is just right. his willingness to sprint the floor. He can and run. Pick and roll, yeah. yeah, he can run. Pick and roll 91st percentile. That's a big man. Finish, right. A lot of that is to slip or not to slip, to rescreen or not to rescreen. When I go to the rim, there's a critical timing aspect to that of watching when the tagger is moving when the tagger is not set up. If the tagger's got his back turned to the corner because he's on Sadiq Bay, he doesn't want to leave him. Clint hits uh, you know, the gas pedal and goes straight to the rim. Clint, I mean, there's so many A plus reads he shows in every pick and roll possession um, that that I feel like Hawks fans are like, oh, he's just getting lobs from Trey. And you said it a few minutes ago. He does. He has a lot of skill and a lot of ability himself that helps create those opportunities for himself. And you mentioned like where he finished in the league shooting. He set a record Hawks franchise record field goal percentage this past year. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, you know, I get, I get, I get it. it. It is not. And again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. It, it's, but, it's but not, fans that think that that's just Trey's loves. No, that is, that is not the case. Right now. Is it's, that a, it's not a big part of it. Yes. Right. But Clint it's like one plus one equals two. Clint, all the stuff he has to do to get himself to the rim is A++. It's as good as it is in the league, hands down. Does that make him a top 10 center in the league? No, because he's just not – it is not have a versatile skill set. Does it make him maybe the best diver in the league in the pick and roll in terms of getting to the rim? He might be the best, right? He's one of the best but it's for all sure. that nuance, yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I want yeah. I, I want Hawk fans to realize what he brings to that, and it feels like that's something that's too often missed. I I totally agree, and yeah, there are areas where you can see his age now. Like he's not the same vertical guy he used to be. He's still a, he's still a plus vertical athlete for a center. He's still a good lob catcher. He used to be arguably the best. Like either you know throw other names out there if you want to. He used to, he, and he's still a really good athlete for a center. He's not quite like a nuclear center athlete anymore. And that's, again, a lot of miles. This is – Clint just finished his ninth season in, in the NBA. And outside of his rookie year, he's been, play, he's been playing a huge role for eight straight years in the league. That's a lot um, for a guy of his size. And he's not a seven-footer either. Like, he's 6'10". He's, he's, got, he's, got real six, uh, he's got real center size, but he's, he's not a 7'2 monster either. Um, so, I mean, I think the offense is pretty straight ahead. But a couple of things that I want to make sure we notice, like, he's, not, he's a very, very low turnover player. Which is good. I mean, it's not going to jump off the screen to you, but he never turns the ball over. Two years ago, 0.6 turnovers per game. This year, 0.8. That is extremely low. 
Again, part of that's that he doesn't have a lot of usage, but he's not kicking the ball around the gym. He doesn't really do that. He doesn't do things that he's not capable of doing. Um, every once in a while, he'll take he'll take a pretty funny like ten foot hook shot that he probably shouldn't shoot, uh, and it makes me laugh every time he does it. But aside from that, it's very straight ahead, and uh, you know so that that's something. He was also better at the line this year. Knock on wood, sixty percent at the line. Now that's not good. We all know that, but in pre the the, the uh, three previous seasons combined. Uh, going back to even uh, Houston, he shot 53%. So, like, that's a noticeable jump. 60% is not great, but if you're going to the line and making 1.2 out of every two, that's enough to just not get you killed and not be hacked like he was at times in previous iterations. So, like, and look, his usage is going down even more. Uh, it's a 15% range the last two seasons. But he was number two in the league. An offensive rebound rate, he's just so good at that. And yeah, a couple of those are the Moses Malone taps to himself. I get that, but he's great. At, he's great at that. Um, the passing is not great, but it's good enough. He makes the right play most of the time. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying there's not any nuance here. I think we covered it. Um, but you know, Clint is just—he's still that guy. And look, we'll get into this about the, about the defense as well. The concern, if there is one, is that he might hit the age cliff. At some point soon. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me in two years if he's not a starter anymore in the league. At this moment, he is definitely a starter, uh, probably an above average starter um, at center. But, you know, I think it's when, you, when you evaluate the contract versus the Conwell, that stuff we talked about with, on, on, on Yucca podcast, there is a question about his age. He just, he's 29, he's 29 now. But as far as like what he has been and what he is that we have seen, He's still really good, like really good. And that's before he even gets his defense where he's better than his offense. So, like, um, I, I, again, I'm, I'm sure we'll be accused of being too high on Clinton. That's fine. But another guy who I think if you ask around the league, everyone's just like, no, that guy's good. Like, checks yeah. the boxes. It's yeah. not, it's not, again, it's not sexy, but Clint is a, he, if they, same thing as Hunter, but even, even stronger, they could trade Clint immediately with no hesitation at all, even with yep. multiple years on his contract, making real money, because let's just say, maybe you see this too. I get asked about from other, other fans now, like Dallas is a good example of this. They would, they would kill murder, beg, borrow, steal, and have Clint Capella. And there Absolutely. are, you said it earlier, there's 10 teams in the league like that, that like Portland, the Hawks Portland. did three years ago, by yeah. the way, three years yeah. ago, when the Hawks got Clint Capella, everyone agreed, including me, center was this glaring need. They got some great stuff from Dwayne Deadman. They got Alex Lynn. But they, everyone, everyone kind of knew the deal. They needed, they needed a real center. They traded for Clint. He was hurt when they traded for him. And as soon as he got back, he was great right away. And I think a lot of teams would want that. The Hawks are in this position. And it's, by the way, it's a great position where they have this other guy who they drafted and invested in who's this backup, who's too, who's too good to be a backup. So that's that's nice. To, that's yeah. nice too. But And that does get into, I think, a lot of what it is with Clint is that people want to see Onyeka. And we discussed that on his podcast, just noting it now. They can move on from Clint. They might do that. Um, but they, you know, not to say that Kong won't be awesome, but uh, they're different players. And, you know, even if Anyeka is really good, you go from 48 minutes of great center play to 33 minutes of great center play. And that's not something you could take lightly. So just want to throw that out there. We'll talk about his defense too, but uh, that's just putting a pin in it now, like before we get yelled at, we both like Anyeka. We, we praised him a lot on that podcast. Um, but Clint does things that are not easily replaceable. 
Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix Daily Fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well. It's very easy to use, and they have safe and fast withdrawals. Every single day during the NBA playoffs, one PrizePix user will actually win a chance to become a millionaire. With one entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern time, it will be randomly selected each and every day. Every place that entry will actually be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get all six correct, it's a million dollars. Five out of six, $80,000. Four out of six, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepix.com million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. And once you opt in, all you have to do is play normally, and the game will come to you. You can be the lucky winner if you are chosen and execute all of that stuff. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com. Sign up play Dan Fantasy Sports right now today. If you're a first-time user, get 100% Insta Deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code it is Locked On. at sign up for the Insta Deposit match up to $100. Check it out now with PrizePix. And one more time, the URL is prizepix.com slash million. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you, Trey loses some of the nuance in the pick and roll. And that's not to say Onyeka can't get there uh, at all. I mean, Clint wasn't this at the end of his third year quite. You know, he's on his way, but he wasn't you know this at the end of his third year. And I can rattle off, like, I don't know, so many teams, like, would Dame love to have Clint? Oh, my gosh. Are you, are you kidding me? You know, um, would, yeah, would – He would be an upgrade and, there and, for sure. And a vacuum, the team that has LaMelo Ball. Would they love to have Clint, right? In a vacuum, would a team that has Anthony Edwards love to have a Clint? Like these guards that like a team are trying to kind of build around, you know, it's that exactly what and and, this, and the Clint trade was easily the best trade of of Travis's you know time with the Hawks, right? Trade for yeah, that, that was a a single a single first round pick in the middle of the first round for what Clint's brought them was a heist. Crazy, yeah, it's, it's, it's Great absolutely crazy, right? And so, so he just he just has a ton of value now. For me, like I understand if I'm following along on Twitter during the Hawks game, he misses <laughs> a bunny in the second quarter, like not the biggest deal. Five minutes to go, they're down four, they're down six, and he misses a bunny in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Oh my God! You know we need, yeah, right, Hawks, and that's fine, needed, yeah, and and, that, and that's fair, right? It is yes. sometimes why. Sometimes why teams close with a more versatile offensive center, especially when they're playing from behind. And mm-hmm. and so I, I want to kind of validate that frustration that kind of bubbles. For, to me, it's more of when it happens and things like that. You know, so so I, I kind of get that. But man, I just feel like he's he's just so underappreciated. Um, you know, and but that that's not to say that people who say sort of like we talked about Hunter, right? His limitations hold him back sometimes in a playoff context. Trey's getting doubled or blitzed or whatever. The things he can't do do yeah, show up I mean, in that matter. And so, again, that goes back to roster construction, having another alternative. And it's, it's, it's and how, and how many centers, yeah. And how many centers in the league, to your point? Like, can, yeah. I mean, yeah. Would it be great to have a center, your full time center? And maybe it's a Kongwu. And that's, that's honestly one of the appeals of a Kongwu down the line exactly. is that maybe, maybe he is the unicorn that could really just do everything. That's, that's True. the hope. But how many guys in the league can play? In the playoffs at center and not take anything off the table. Three? I right. mean, Anthony Davis, like there's there's like I, I get the you're 100 percent right about the limitations that Clint brings, and especially when paired with John's not a non-shooter, but if you have if you have shooting questions elsewhere, having a total non-shooter at center who can't really play make either, yeah, that's it's it's tough in some ways. Yeah. But and that's again, the thing is like how many players are like that? I mean, there's so many right. most most centers, most good centers are like that. It's just that's a center. Like it's is what it is. And, and the guys who like guys who are like that are typically all NBA players. So like, that's what I mean. I mean, it's like, yeah, right. If you it, would you would you love to have uh 
you know, Embiid? Would you love to have Bam? Sure. Like there, there are, there are five, six guys who are like definitely better than Clint. And then I honestly don't know beyond that as far as like, yeah, there's certain things on offense there are, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is a lot better offensive player than Clint. I'm not saying otherwise, but like how much better is Carl Anthony Towns in a, than Clint? Like right now he's better, but like when you throw in everything, I don't know. So it's one of those things where I wholeheartedly agree with you, but the reality of building a basketball team is that to get enough center, to get enough defense from your center, a mostly defensive position in a lot of ways, unless you have just the special top five unicorn, you probably aren't going to have everything on offense. It it is, it's just kind of what it is like. Yeah. And then, and then the, the, the issue of the playoffs the Miami series, you know, last year, right? You have a below average handler and passer at the four in DC. You have a below average passer and handler at the three. Yeah. That makes Clint, the optics around Clint look worse, right? Agreed. And so, right. And so that's kind of where, like, well, Jalen sure seems interesting because he can handle and pass, right? He's got a lot more development to do to kind of get there. But the idea of Anyeka, the idea of Jalen kind of, you know, playing with, you know, a guy like Clint, you know, is, um, you know, whatever life that might look like, right? especially Jalen positionally, you know, makes it really interesting. And so a lot of the, a lot of the ways he limits them, again, reflects on the broader lineup and roster construction, not so much on what he can do. And like, how many players, Brad, did we watch across the regular season and be like, Man, that guy's really trying to be something he's not. He's really trying to do things he can't do. We talked about yeah. this with Sadiq when he was in Detroit, trying to kind of be a primary and create his own shots and kind of you know do all that sort of stuff. And we talked about how impressed we were with him kind of embracing his role in Atlanta. But you said it right at the very, very top. Clint knows what he can do, he knows what he can't do, and he man, he stays within that template all the time. He does. Uh to the defense. Look, I mean, this is even – it's kind of the same as far as, like, it's pretty straight ahead. Um, he's a great rebounder. He's a really good rim protector. Um, maybe, a, maybe a half step down there in his uh, advancing mileage, but still very good at the rim. Um, five straight seasons with four fouls or less per hundred possessions, which is just fantastic. Like, he doesn't foul. He doesn't make mistakes defensively. He anchors, he communicates. That's, I will leave that to you to talk about that because that's one of your things that you love talking about is just the way he communicates and leads the defense. But yeah, I mean, is he perfect? No. Is he, is he the same switch guy that he was in Houston? No. But he's still a really good drop big. He knows how to play. He's always in the right spot. And he can almost single-handedly make you okay on the glass, almost by himself. And the Hawks have tried. The Hawks have tried almost to just make him do it by himself with some of these lineups that they've used with Hunter and Trey and like – yeah, when, uh, it's helpful to have Jalen Johnson. It's helpful to have John Collins, but the Hawks, when they, especially when they've gone small in the last couple of years, have basically said, "Hey, hey, Clint, you got to carry us in rim protection and rebounding," and he's and he's done it. Like, can he do all of it by himself? No, but his uh, the way that I would describe it is his floor raising on defense is tremendous. And look, the Hawks have not been very good defensively for the balance of the last three years. They've had moments. I shudder to think of how bad it would have been without Clint. If if they had had a league average defensive center the last three years, they would have been, I mean, horrific. It would is that too strong of a word? I mean, I don't think it would have been no. because, uh, and honestly, the one time where they were good or at least pretty good defensively was the second half of three of the conference final season. Right? I argued at the time. I thought Clint 
was literally the number two guy on my defensive player of the year ballot that year. And maybe I was being a homer, but I thought Gobert was the only guy I would have voted ahead of, ahead of Clint that season. That's how good he was. That was in my mind, that was the best he's ever been. He was fantastic. And that's not a coincidence. He was superhuman all NBA level defensively that year. And they were 12th in defense for three months. Like it wasn't like they were fifth. They were, they were pretty good defensively for three months. So like, I'm not trying to give it all to him. You, you still have to have other pieces. Uh, we talked about Hunter on a previous show. I think Collins has improved a lot defensively. There are other guys that have done their jobs, but Capella has been their best defender since he, since he arrived. There's not really any debate about that. So, I mean, you talk about where you, where you want to take it. Um, but I think just, it's important to kind of leave it, leave with that. Like he's been easily their best defender, the most valuable defender. He checks so many boxes for them and just raises what they, I mean, the floor's still been pretty low at times, but I think, it would have been worse without him. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny that 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 season they made the conference finals. I, I don't. I think having him on the ballot is completely logical, right? Yeah. Now, great. voters, voters are. I mean, how, how much of the Hawks did they see play that year, right? And None. and so you can't hold them. <laughs> you can't you can't hold them to the same standard of like. But they they played a lot of minutes with Trey and Gallo on the floor, and Clint made that work reasonably well. Right, and mm-hmm. that and that says a ton, right? Um, and and you kind of you know, a lot of times Trey Bogey Gallo, Clint at center, and he's kind of holding it together uh, to the point that they made that run after the coaching change, and then made that run in the playoffs, and that's just uh, absolutely phenomenal. I think a lot of Hawks fans, when they're thinking about should we trade Clint? Oh, we should trade Clint. Anyak is ready to start. I agree. Anyak is ready to be a starter. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what I think that means for Clint. I, I, you know, and things like that. But, um, um, but yeah, for me, I think Hawks fans are like he's 29 now. He's missed some time. He has sort of aggravating types of injuries, right? Yep. And things like that. And so, for, and you talked about his verticality earlier. His verticality is really important to his rebounding. Is really important mm-hmm. to his rim protection. And in my mind, I think that's going to be a, something that kind of goes up and down across a regular season. When they play five and eight or five and nine, I think it's harder for him to kind of maintain that. Right when when he gets <clears throat> you know a good break now and then, I think it's a little bit easier. We I think we saw him play when he came back from that uh, injury missed time the first half of the season this year. He had like about 50% of the lift he normally had for about three weeks time. And that really impacted the Hawks defense. So, um, so for me, I think you do have to have a good backup. I think you have to have a backup that has an offensive set, a set of offensive skills that's different. Can let you go in a different direction and those. And I think you have to kind of manage his workload to kind of, especially if you're a team that's trying to do something real in the postseason, you've got to kind of keep him in about 65 games or so in the regular season. But scheme-wise, you know, when he's feeling good, he can't get to the level screen. He's very good up there. He Can he switch? I, to me, it's like, how are you feeling physically? Oh, I'm 60%. Okay, we're not going to switch tonight, right? No, yeah, I've had the thing I is, played he, one he game can, in the he last can do it. Right. Yeah. But it does come down to, like, how hard have you been working him lately? Have you been, did he have to play 38 minutes two nights ago? You know, it's kind of close a, a tough game and things like that. And so, for me, it does kind of come down to – a guy who's not a superstar, a guy who's not an all-star, putting the right kind of supporting pieces around him to optimize him. And that does yeah. factor into kind of what you want him to do. So I, I I, love him. I still think probably the right move is to trade him while you can get something of value back for him and, and let Yekka and start. 
would it be the end of the world if they took them both right back into the um raw into the roster next season from a from a roster value perspective no would it have some implications for Nick's development almost surely you know right. so it's a tough kind of position um but for me it's like there are so many teams that would love to have the selflessness the guy who does the fundamentals the basics the organizing the communication the anchoring all that stuff at an a a a plus level uh there are so many teams that try to get by like Phoenix trying to do something serious with DeAndre Ayton playing defense during crunch time. Come on, like you know. Well, yeah, I love I, how I, DeAndre Ayton had, but we're you and I, you and I were validated. Yeah, you and I were validated. There was that whole round of uh, of Ayton for Capella thoughts <laughs> before last season, and I think you and I were on the negative side of that. I think we were right about yeah. that. You know, that. That proved yeah. to be true. Uh, and no, I, you're right. I, I like Ayton. Put, put Ayton on yeah. a roster that's he's talented kind of to build up, right? a team that's going to win like 35 games this year. And they're like, okay, we're going to take two years and build him up with a, a young kind of offense. Cause I think he has a ton of offensive potential, but I think trying to play a guy like that on a team that's contending, come on. But that's, I mean, yeah, no, it, it doesn't work. And yeah, I, I think that as much as we have both been very high on Capella in this conversation, there are arguments to trade him and I, I've made them too. And j- you just made one. I think he has two years left on the contract um, I think that's a good contract for what he is, but there's a chance that maybe he gets hurt or maybe he just is, this is it for him. And we don't know. Um, there's a little bit of downside risk there for sure. That's number one, or at least one of the bullet points. The other one is of course the Kongu, which is the number that's really number one is that they just might think it's time to give him the keys. And I would understand that a Kongu is a very, very good prospect. He needs to start. He needs to play more minutes. And as we said on that, on that, on that conversation, um, Maybe that changes this year, but until now, Clint is still better than Onyeka. He's still been better to this point. Um, that might change in the future. I think it probably will in the next couple of years, honestly, because the Kong was going up and Clint's going to probably come down. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a great problem to have, to have both these guys. But if I'm a Kongo's agent, I'd like to not be a backup again in Absolutely. year four. Uh, and that's, by the way, that's a totally reasonable approach if you're him, if you're a con- and they, they get along well, Clint and Anyeka, that's that's a good thing. And you mentioned the word selfless with Clint. I think Clint is a fantastic teammate by all accounts. We're not in the locker room, but everything you ever hear about Clint, on off record, everyone loves Clint. He's he, He'll be the first guy to come talk to you. He'll be candid with you. He'll tell you what's going on. Um, and guys and will play. he's candid with him. his teammates. Like Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's, and, he's a great and, leader and on the court. He, he yep. talks about – you can tell he's talking about what he learned in Houston. We had to do A and B and C if we're going to be a serious team, and we're not doing A, B, and C right now. He's the one yeah. guy who will just boom, put it like that. He he and Bogey, um, oh, I, I, do, I joked about this on on Bogey spot, guys. They're 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 the old guys, even though they're not that old, but they're the guys who are the vocal leaders. I mean, Trey's of course yeah. the leader because he's Trey, but and Dejounte's got a little bit more of that um, since he just got here. But you know, Clint's always a guy that guys gravitate to, and he he is kind of the old head. He's been around for a long time. He had been to the conference finals with Houston, like he he had. He's gone the furthest. I mean, I, I know they all went to the conference finals together, but like before that, he had been the one that had the longest playoff run, and he was the guy they looked to. Um, so yeah, I mean, all that said, I, I do think that I would certainly be exploring what you could get for Clint. You, you do not want to give him away. I'll be very clear about that. If they don't, if they don't have the deal they have that they like, Keep don't it. trade him. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny because I think he should be available. Yeah, for me, so I had a lot of people. I think you probably did too asking down the stretch of this last season, and Neka should be starting. I'm like. Nope. You're killing Clint's trade value. Well, that's yeah. Right? I mean, in, in, in addition to so yeah, there's there's multiple things there. There's besides trade Clint's value, better, but 
Yeah, so, there's there's trade value, which you know teams know and the Hawks know. Like you, it's a that'd be an extremely drastic step organizationally to put your guy who you owe 25, $22 million a year the next two years or something like that to on the bench, who's your veteran, your older guy, your team, one of your team leaders. Um, even if they thought Akongwu was better, they would still start Clint yeah. for just organizational but, reasons. Right. You know what I mean? But, but Yeah, but let me ask you this, though. Imagine, let's just say they can't get, can't get the value they wanted for Clint like in, in this offseason. If they went to Clint right now and said – Couple things. One is this is your last significant contract, likely not for sure, but like you're not going to get another twenty million dollar contract. Probably right? not. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Right. For the sake of Anyeka's development, we want to make him the starter, and we want to manage your workload. Part of that being, maybe we can play you every game if you're not starting. Right. Clint is one of the few guys in the league that will probably get right in line and say, "I think he'd be cool." Yeah. Right. Right. And now, if he didn't believe that was like truly in the best interest of the team or whatever, he might, you know, say that. But he's one of those guys that if they're like, and Yek is really going to be developmentally hindered if we don't give him exposure to starters' workload and starters' responsibility. I think he's one of those rare, I think Clint's one of those rare guys. Now, from a financial decision, you know, from a financial standpoint, does it make perfect sense? No. But there are, there are, key backups across the league that are in that range of earning, you know, they're, they're usually, a, a, you know, a really, really good offensive player and things like that. But or if they just said um, in the middle of December, we're going to make this move or to give and Yeka time as a starter, the rest, you know, you know I, I think that's another thing I love about Clint. I think if that's, if they're like, we need to go in this direction, but yeah. and we don't necessarily want to trade you. I think Clint's like, let's go. You know, I don't know that, but all of uh, everything I know about the teammate he is and such, it's like, okay. And that's another reason it's great to have him on your team. Yeah. And maybe he would do one of those, you know, that, that deal that Al Horford signed with Boston where he drops down to like $10 million at the end of it. Like he, he did an extension, but it was right. like for half the salary. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you go to Clint, you go to Clint and say, Hey Clint, we'll, we'll add, we'll add two more years to your contract for 14 million a year instead of 22. Uh, if right. you, but we're but we want to start a on Yeka. You know what I mean? I'm, we're just throwing stuff out there, obviously. But uh, yeah, right. I, I still think that they. I, I won't. I won't be mad if that's the result. I won't. That's be what mad. I'm saying. I, <laughs> look, I, uh, on the Onyeka podcast, we, we said the same thing. Like, we are not of the belief, and we talked about this. So I can speak for you. Like, they don't have to trade Clint. They don't. Now, I, I think I would be exploring it, and you said that too. And uh, I think that's probably their cleanest pathway forward is to just only because you get something back for him. Not only do you pave the way for Onyeka, but you, you in theory, you add to your team somewhere else. Um, and it helps to solve what I can only assume is going to be some financial concerns that they have. Now, that's not my area. I think that um, if I'm a Hawks fan, I don't care about that, but I think ownership probably does. So that's that's why I say it's the cleanest thing. And also, Clint has more trade value than John does at this moment in time because yep. Yep. John just had a pretty bad season on offense and makes more money for longer. Whereas Clint is still Clint and he's more plug and play and all that stuff. So if you're trying to say, okay, they have one, it's not, it's not reality, but if, if you were only allowed to make one trade, it would be Clint for whatever you can get. I think if you were just yeah. dead set on changing something up. So, but yeah, they don't have to do that. They can go into the season with the, with one of those two guys. Maybe there's a world where they evaluate something else and go take a step back or whatever, but uh, you know, he's still a really good player and that's uh, this is a player capsule. So we're breaking down his game and, uh, that's the biggest takeaway I have is that, you know, yeah, he's not quite the same guy he was two years ago, you can argue, but I think he's still really, really good. 
and uh, a great, you know, I don't, don't want to say mentor. He's not, he's not that much older than a guy, but a great guy for a neck to learn from too. Like just watch that guy play every day. And Clint's another guy who's not seven two. You know, he's not, he's bigger than Onyeka, but to have Onyeka kind of learn from someone who, who wasn't always the biggest guy. Like he, he, especially early in his career, I'm sure you remember like when Clint first came into Houston, he was really known way more for his speed. And he's still, to, we said this earlier, like quickness. Yeah. He's still, he's still, but he was known as this like super, super duper athlete when he was young, young. And now he's more of a traditional guy, but Anyeka can learn from that too. So uh, it's worked very well. I think the Clint trade worked great. Three years, uh, three years in, he's played. He's done what they wanted to do. He's not going to be playing eighty-two games a year anymore. I don't think, like you said, but uh, uh, a plus on the trade, and he's been a huge part of the uh, huge part of the roster. And maybe this will be it for Clint. But if it is, we'll have uh, one more push button. I'm sure at some point. But it's been uh, it's been a good run for him for sure. Yeah, I'm a fan, and that doesn't change whether he's on the Hawks or another team. I'm rooting for the guy. Same. Enjoy the guy. Enjoy watching the guy. So. Um, well, we'll all know come September or so, whatever, maybe before that, like, you know, what that's going to look like. But for yeah. now, I, for me, I just, I just appreciate what he's brought to the team, how he's helped Trey, how he's helped a young roster, young rosters and how he continues to be selfless. And, and that just, that goes a long way with me. So, uh, love the guy. It does. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, total pro guy I've always enjoyed. So, uh, that's all we got for now. Uh, Glenn, we're getting there. This is the fourth to last. So we have three more player capsules. If you can do the math, if you're a diehard listener, you could probably figure it out. But it's it's in some order: Collins, Dejounte, and then of course Trey, who we can save forever because they're not going to trade Trey, in my opinion. So, uh, anything to plug on this uh, at the end of this podcast, Glenn? Because you give me a lot of time once again. No, I, I've enjoyed this series. Enjoyed the opportunity to kind of be a part of it. So that's great. Eighteen on twenty nine podcast with Kevin Chenard. Um, you know, he and I got to kind of get into the draft stuff uh, here before too long, so that should be fun. Um, and uh, you know, I still support the guys behind the scenes at Peace for Hoops. You're doing great work there, so support those guys' work too. And uh, that's that's the best place to find my involvement, where I'm interacting and such. I love uh, the thought of Kevin watching draft film because there's no way he's doing that. No chance. No. Hi, Kevin. Kevin doesn't watch college basketball, so I really. No, but I love to ask that. Kevin like who he saw. <laughs> if he got to the yeah. facility when they're hooked to work. That's yes. the I don't have. So I'm hoping that him having that firsthand. What were they doing with him? What kind of drill? You know, whatever. Yeah, that's then, that's way better. That's way better. I, I'm jealous of Kevin. Uh, he gets to be around more than I do. His schedule is better, is more accommodating to being at the facility during the day than mine is. So he is definitely uh, more around the facility than I am. So I will pl- I will pick his brain as well. But yeah, I, I like to make fun of Kevin for never never watching prospects totally around the NBA. So that's it's a good perspective to have. I kind of I'm kind of jealous every once in a while of people that just, that just never watch anybody. They're like, oh, who's this? Who's this player? Um, the Hawks have. So yeah, we'll see. yeah. I, it's funny. One of the first podcasts I ever did with Kevin before I was the regular, we both loved Bruno. So we'll 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 keep falling back on on that. So shouts to shouts to Bruno. He's back. Another run. All right, Glenn. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. As for yeah. everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. We'll have three more of these some at some point. I have no idea when they're going to happen, but they'll be coming in the near future. So subscribe to the podcast. And we'll see you all next time.